How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I am joined once again on this fine Thursday, October 10th, by none other than Ben Gorowitz. Ben, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm glad to have you on, Ben. He's a... Ben's very knowledgeable in college football, baseball, NFL. I don't know if y'all follow us on Twitter or not, but we're always tweeting him out about our favorite teams, about what's going on in the games that day. And I know y'all have seen we've been tweeting a lot about the Braves and how let down we were yesterday. Ben, I mean, what do you take away from yesterday and what's coming and just everything on the season for the Braves? Oh, yeah, it's a tough subject. I will say this. The Braves had plenty of opportunities throughout this series. I mean... Whether you want to direct it towards Freddie Freeman with the bases loaded in that one game, you know, you want to talk about the rotation, maybe Soroka should have pitched twice, whatever your opinion is, the Braves had their opportunities and they couldn't come through. And it, it's really unfortunate the way, the way that they ended their season because to me, I mean, unless you get farther than you did the previous year, it's a failure. I, I don't care that they won more games, they didn't make it past the first round again, the NLDS. So, Oh, tough pill to swallow when you get blown out like that in your final game. Yeah, you know, um, I it, it's it it hurt to watch yesterday. Honestly, like I turned that game off yesterday at seven zero. I was like, I'm done with it. I can't even like watch this anymore. Um, you know, I agree with you, honestly. I really thought we should have started Max Fried in one of those games as well, especially in the last game. I felt like he looked unhittable. And then, you know, when he got thrown in there, it was just, you know, like he was shell-shocked, honestly, getting thrown in there. I'll think back, though. You know, I agree with you. Like, we had so many chances to win this game. In game four, we left so many damn runners on base. You know, we had so many opportunities. The bases loaded twice. We had Ronald on second with nobody out. There's just so many times we could have won that game, but I feel like where this series really got screwed was with the Chris Martin injury in game one. You know, Luke Jackson gets thrown in there, not even ready to pitch. Then Melanson gets rushed into the game. And I feel like that really kind of screwed everything over for us. And honestly, you know, Paul Goldschmidt killed us too. I mean, him and Ozuna were about the only two guys who even hit the ball against us until that last game. So honestly, this is one the Braves should have had, and that's why it hurt so much yesterday. It's also, it's it's tough to take in because... It's not even just a loss. I mean, they got embarrassed before they even had the chance to hit yesterday. You know, some of the takeaways that I had was, you know, you know, you mentioned Freed. Did, did he pitch too much? I mean, he pitched in every game except for one, maybe two. You know, Newcomb had great numbers. Didn't look like he was uh, – didn't look like Snit was even thinking of him. He didn't let up a hit all series. Um Freddie looked lost in the entire series. I mean, he was dealing with a bunch of tough lefty pitchers, some of the shadows, but you know what? I, I, it's no excuse for when, you, when you're a superstar when, in my opinion, he's the best first baseman in baseball. And he didn't really prove it on the national stage. He had a couple errors in the field. You know, I know that maybe Azuna got in his way of, in, in uh, game five on that ground ball, but, you know, not an excuse for me. You, you got to make plays. You got to help your pitchers out. Freddie makes that ground ball, double play, second, first. Fulte's out of the first inning, only giving up a run or two. It's, you know, changes the entire game. Yeah, you know, it was just so disappointing that look forward to watching that game all day. Look forward, you know, watching. I know me and you both watched a good portion of those games this season and just. The fact that we went down like that without even putting up a fight in the last game, you know, I feel like that really hurts and that's going to sting a lot. Um, I agree with you, though. I thought Snicker could have done a much better job managing this series. And ultimately, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing how this team goes into next season. Like, part of me thinks that this team is, you know, that it's going to be one of those irrecoverable losses that we had yesterday. But then, you know, another part of me says this is a young team and I think they're going to be resilient and I think they'll pick things up. Obviously, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what we do with free agents like Keuchel, like uh, Josh Donaldson. I mean, I would love to bring back Donaldson. Keuchel, I like him, but I'd kind of rather bring a guy in who's got, you know, an overpowering fastball and is going to strike people out rather than a ground ball pitcher because, you know, Soroka already is one. But also, I kind of I agree with you on the thing with Freed. I guess that was more so the reason why we didn't want to start him because he threw so many innings this season. And he he did look a little burnout at the end of the season. I can definitely say that. Freed definitely did look like 
he is he got a little tired as the season went on because I mean I don't think Freed missed a start all season long, did he? Ah, uh, I can't remember. Uh, he left us. I know he left a start early. He had that blister problem, but I can't remember if he ever skipped a start. He had a blister problem a, uh, a little earlier in the season. You know when it's so hot in Atlanta, sometimes the humidity um, deals with the fingers. It's a little tough. But other than that, I can't remember him being hurt. Yeah, I don't remember him getting hurt either. But yeah, I, th- I could definitely see him getting. You know, maybe have gotten tired. I mean, he looked great in the appearances he had, but. You know, I think this is one the Braves want to have back, and I hope that the team uses this as a motivational point. You know, we saw a team like Virginia, for example, you know, who had a great season two years ago and loses in the first round as the 16th seed. We saw them bounce back and win the uh, and win the um, Final Four and win win it all in March Madness right there and raise the trophy. You know, I feel like it could be, go like that for the Braves, or it could be more like a, you know, Falcons thing where you lose and you're just down for good. So, you know, it can definitely go either way. I'm going to stay positive, though, and hope that this team picks it up and puts it back together because, you know, we have so much young talent, and we're only going to keep bringing up young talent and getting better. But, I mean, I think if this series taught us anything, it's that we need some lockdown pitching. I I do want to, you know, I don't want to just trash the Braves, even though they somewhat deserve it. I did some research about the Cardinals, and, you know, history could be on their side if you believe in something like this. So, 2006, in the NLCS, Game 7, they were on the road at New York. They left with a win. 2011, the Divisional Series, Game 5, at Philly, left with a win. 2012, Wild Card Game in Atlanta, left with a win. Obviously, there's an asterisk because the infield fly. And they just did it again in 2019, on the road, in a Game 5. And this is what they do. You know, they are the comeback Cardinals. That is a thing that people say, and they have the talent. They really do have the talent to get to a World Series, and they earned that victory in Game 5. They came right out of the gate, attacking Fulte. They went right after his fastball, and combined with a bunch of walks, you know, it was 10-0 in a blink of an eye. Yeah, you know, it really was, and I mean, like you said, I mean, the comeback Cardinals, I mean, shoot, they were even, they had, they started the season off terribly, and they were probably the hottest team in, I think they, it was either them or the A's, I think, was the hottest team in baseball the second half of the season. I know they rattled off a ton of wins to get back in first place, so, yeah, I guess they are the comeback Cardinals, you know, they're a team that's always successful, just like the Braves, these two teams are very well organizationally built, but... Yeah, we could very well just be on the wrong side of things. Um, what do you think about this next series between them and the Nats? I mean, that was an absolute crazy finish last night. Right, so the Nats, obviously, Strasburg yesterday against the Dodgers, you know, started a little rough. And his team kept him in. He kept himself in it, but the bats came alive late. And what do you know? Howie Kendrick, you know, does that against his former team, the Dodgers. You know, Kendrick's been bad all series. He's been horribly he's been horrible defensively. And, you know, the confidence that Davey Martinez had in him to keep playing him and the fact that he came through for the team and for that city is it's great for him. You know, the Nationals are moving on. To go into that next series against the Cardinals, I, I think the teams are pretty similar in the sense of both teams have two or three hitters. Like, just straight-up good hitters. And then everyone else is kind of just like a role player. The Cardinals, like you mentioned before, they're three and four hitters. Azuna, or Goldschmidt and Azuna. Other than that, the Yachty and Edmund, maybe. Everyone else is not much of a threat. Against the Braves, the only people that did significant damage were the three and four hitters. And I look at the Nationals, their offense rolls with their three and four. And that's Rendon, who's an MVP candidate, and Soto, who's one of the best young players in baseball. If those guys aren't playing well, the Nationals do not have a chance. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And plus, you know, they got that three-headed monster there with Strasburg, um, Corbin, and Scherzer. Scherzer, I'm sure, will be ready to go against Game 1. No, they haven't announced the pitching matchup yet, but I would assume it's going to be Scherzer versus um, Wainwright. 
I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, they're both built very similar. Um, also, you know, I think Kershaw might be on his way out in L.A. I could very well see them trying to trade him and move on from him, you know, with how he blew that game last night. I mean, that was just crazy. Dude. When you when I saw Kershaw come in, I was like, all right, this is over. The Dodgers are going to put this thing away. But no, he gave up the home run. Apparently, after he hit the home run, when, when Rendon hit the home run, apparently the stadium got so quiet as Rendon was rounding the bases, he yelled, Soto's about to hit it out next, and the next thing you no boom. Yeah, he got all of it too. Yeah, that thing was absolutely smoked. I mean, that that game was crazy. Yesterday was just an absurd day of baseball, and you know that is that just kind of is base. I mean, that just summarizes playoff baseball for you and how crazy it is. I mean, it just sucks, you know, to think about how you play 162 games and have your season in the way it did for the Braves and Dodgers. It's definitely rough, but. You know, I think I like the Nationals in this series. I really feel like that they got over a hump, kind of, because you know everyone says that the Nationals they they struggle in the postseason. They've never been able to really get over that postseason hump. I feel like they really did get into this next round, and ultimately, I think that stacked three-headed monster is going to be able to help them prevail and get to the uh, get to the World Series. Yeah, I think you know what I think you know what you get with Strasburg and Scherzer. You know that. I mean, they're just going to perform. I mean, that Strasburg, I know it probably went up, but that Strasburg ERA in the postseason is a low, low number. And then, you you know, Scherzer's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. They need Corbin. Um, he could be an X factor on that pitching staff. Some of his sliders, which is his, you know, strikeout pitch, is his, it's his best pitch. Some of them were up in the zone in that last series, and – the further you get into the playoffs, you know, those, those mistakes will catch up to you. But that, I mean, like you've been saying, that three-headed monster is special, and that's exactly why they're paying Corbin that much money is because they are riding, they're going to ride and die those three pitchers. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the best way to do it in the postseason, too, with the way you get rest and the way everything's spaced out. I think it's good to have a three-headed monster. And, you know, they still have Anibal Sanchez, who pitched well. He struggled at the beginning of the season, but once he kind of locked in, I mean, his – ERA was, I'm thinking he finished the season with like a 340 ERA, but he had one of five there for like the first month and a half of the season. So, you know, he was, he pitched well as the season went on. I could see him also, you know, eating bulk innings or like if you need to, you can throw him in there and start and kind of throw something out of the uh, bullpen. So I think this should be a fun series to watch. And I mean, like you were saying with the Cardinals earlier, I mean, this is the postseason Cardinals. Anything can happen in October. It's all about who's hot. The Cardinals were the hottest team in baseball in the second half of the season. I mean, they were they're fifty and thirty one at home. So that's you know that's up there with one of the best home records in baseball. That's how this whole seat, this uh, division went in the Central was the home team was you know dominated whoever was at home in that in that division. So. You know, I don't think you can count them out either, but I'm going to go with the Nats. I just feel like I know what I'm going to get with them, and I feel like they're a team of destiny. You know, taking down the Dodgers is no easy task. Yeah, it's not at all. I mean, everyone had shipped them into the World Series before this postseason started. I will say I, I it's going to depend on who I pick for these pitching match or for the series based on the pitching matchups because if Scherzer's going game one, I like – the Nationals' chance in the series because I think you get a strong start in the series and it puts you off on a good foot. I, Jack Flaherty will not be starting game one because they didn't take him out against the Braves. Uh, so my guess would be the Miles Michaelis guy who's very, very capable. He was great last year. He had a pretty good start against the Braves. Um, you know, if it's like a Corbin versus – or sorry, if it's a – yeah, Corbin versus Michaelis – I like the Cardinals in the series, but if Scherzer starting game one, uh, I'm riding with the Nats because you know that he's getting at least two starts. You never know with Scherzer. I mean, apparently I read somewhere that he was asking the manager to go in last night. So you never know with him. I mean, he'll pitch. He'll do everything for the team. Yeah, you know, Scherzer's one of those guys. He's got some postseason experience. I feel like that – I mean, like you said, he's going to do everything for the team. And, I mean, I think he's the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, him and Kershaw have been the two most dominant over this last kind of, you know, era of watching baseball for us. Verlander. And, and Verlander. I, it's like you said, I mean, it's going to be tough. I think we'll see Scherzer out there in game one. I feel like they're going to pitch Wainwright just because Michaelis did come out of the bullpen for that one inning. 
But, I mean, it could go with Mike. I feel like we're definitely going to see Michaelis and Wainwright, though, here in games one and two. Those guys' home road splits are pretty crazy. And plus, we know what postseason Wainwright's like. I mean, he's a postseason vet. This is probably his last season. So, you know, he's going to want to leave it all out there on the diamond. But should be a fun series to watch. Um, AL-wise, um, what do you think about this Astros-Rays uh, game tonight? I mean, I thought the Astros had, a, had it wrapped up twice in a row, especially with Verlander on the mound and Grinky. You know, you think it's – Got they gotta win one of those two, but instead we're sitting here talking about game five. Yep, and I think a big reason why we're talking about game five is you know I don't care who the pitcher is, I'm I've never been a fan of three days of rest. Four I think is a different you know is a little bit different, but I mean wow game five that this is a this is a classic pitching matchup what baseball fans would want. It's it's two young flamethrowers that just know how to pitch. And Glasnow may be really, really young with less experience, but don't sleep on him. I mean, he, this kid is great, and I don't know what the Pirates were thinking making that trade. I I personally have the Astros in this game because, I mean, with Garrett Cole, they've won his last 14 starts, and they're 52-16 and 16 since he's joined the team in games that he pitches in. They're at home. I mean, let's state the obvious. They're the more talented team. I, I think they get it done at home. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the Astros at home, I really feel like the Astros, you know, once they saw the Yankees sweep, especially, I feel like in that Verlander game, they were kind of looking ahead. I think it was more so the same thing, too, with Grinky, where they, especially they hit a home run, you know, first. Uh, Altuve hit one in the first inning, you know, I felt like they just really started looking ahead, kind of thinking the series was wrapped up, and, you know, Tampa Bay wasn't going down without a fight, and shout out to Tampa Bay for not going down without a fight, you know, it's real easy to when you're going up against a team that has the best record in baseball, and you're already down 2-0, um, you know, I, I agree with you, Garrett Cole's probably the Cy Young winner for the AL, and I mean, he's been so dominant, I just don't see how they don't get it done tonight, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised though if like, this game's 0-0 heading into like the 6th or 7th inning, I think it's going to be a quick game, but I think it's going to be a good game to watch, besides, I'm definitely watching it over over Thursday Night Football, I mean, who wants to watch Patriots-Giants tonight, so, with, with, I think it should Giants be a fun series. Team. What were you saying? I said, with the Giants missing half their team tonight. Yeah, literally their whole offense pretty much is sitting out tonight. So I mean, not not much to watch there. Um, what do you do? You think either of these teams are capable of taking down the Yankees? I think the Astros are. I will say I don't think the Rays are because of the familiarity. They play them so much, and the the Yankees dominated their division. So I I mean, listen, as a baseball fan, everyone wants to see wants to see Houston versus New York because. I mean, you just have stud after stud in this in these batting orders, both teams. And you know what? People will always say that the pitching is better for the Astros, which it is. But the Yankees have some men that can go to that hill. And Seve being Severino being back, you know, he doesn't need to go seven innings. He only went four in his last start, looked pretty good. That lineup takes care of him. That lineup is special that the Yankees trot out. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. Grinky, a good thing for him is after tonight, everything will be set up so he's going to have to pitch in Houston because, I mean, he's absolutely horrible in Yankee Stadium. So he definitely will not get any starts in Yankee Stadium. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium with the way they hit the ball out with that short porch. And right, so, you know, I... Personally, I think Houston's still more than capable of taking them down, although I think Correa is not playing too great, which definitely hurts them. But, I mean, the Astros have so much power in this lineup, as do the Yankees. You know, the Yankees, it kind of doesn't matter who's in the lineup for them. They've been able to produce. They've been able to hit the ball all season long. That's been their thing, you know, is strength in numbers, next man up all season long. They've seemed to do it. I just think Houston has better pitching. So I think that can end up pulling them through here. But I think the series is going seven. I would love it to go seven because I like to watch great baseball. It's great competition. And, I mean, these are the best two teams in baseball. You know, I believe if Houston beat wins tonight against Tampa Bay, they're home against the Yankees, right? Um, yeah. N- er, yeah, Houston, Houston 107, New York 104s. Yeah, so Houston's got the home field over everybody in baseball. So I think that that helps because – the Yankees are so, so – I mean, they're good on the road too. You don't win 104 games, whatever you just said, for no reason. I mean, but they love to play at home. I mean, they love it. I would too. I could hit one out there. Um, <laughs> the, 
the the Astros, I think, can take advantage of being home because of what you said about Grinky being matched up in Houston. I think both these teams can hit anywhere, but I think from a pitching standpoint, from a bullpen standpoint, it's easier to pitch at home. It's a little more comfort, and I think that the more the series goes on, the tougher it is, obviously. And who doesn't want to play Game 7 at home? I mean, everyone wants to play at home. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think home field's huge, especially going up against the Yankees. I mean, like you said, you can hit one out there. So I think that's going to end up being huge. I can't write the Yankees off. You know, I'm I'm excited, though, to watch this, just like you said, from a baseball fan standpoint. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to see how everything plays out as October goes on. Um, I can't wait to watch the World Series either and see what we got. But for the sake of keeping things moving here, let's move over now. I mean, it's going to be a great weekend of sports, by the way, guys. I mean, we I don't I don't watch hockey personally, but I know we got hockey on. We got the MLB playoffs. We got a uh, NBA preseason. We got MLS playoffs starting, and of course, we got college and NFL football. So we got it all going on. Um, let's uh, let's let's kick things off here on the uh, pretty good college football slate we got here. Um, Texas. In Oklahoma, they're playing at a neutral site here. It's Oklahoma minus seven, over under at four at a uh, seventy six. What are you thinking about this one? Well, let's uh, let's state the obvious first. What everyone's talking about is that Texas DB taking that shot at that Jalen quote. You know, rivalries like this. I, I don't. If you can't get pumped up for a game like this, I don't think you need any extra motivation, especially when you're Jalen Hurts. I think Ellinger is a straight gamer. I, I think he's not the most talented quarterback in college football. I mean, I don't think he's one of the most top talented quarterbacks, but he just shows up in a lot of big games. A lot of big games he shows up. And let's not forget that he did beat Kyler Murray last year. You know, Texas's defense, well, let's just say the Big 12's defense is not strong. Texas gave up 463 total yards against West Virginia last week. But I don't think any of that matters, to be honest. I think Oklahoma wins the game. I'm picking Oklahoma to win the game, but I do not think they cover. I think Texas keeps it interesting, but I don't think they – I just don't think they can come through. I think Lincoln Riley knows how to defend, even though he's not a defensive coach. I think he he will have a better game plan for Ellinger's uh, legs more this year than last year, so I'm taking Oklahoma, but I do not think they cover. Yeah, I actually agree with you completely on this one. I played Texas at plus 11. I think the overall, I think it'll go over as well. I think it opened at like 74, and it's all the way up to 76 now. Um, Tom Herman is 13-2-2 against the spread as as a dog at Texas in Houston. That's when he's the head coach. And then Texas is 13-4 against the spread as an underdog against top 25 teams since 2015. I mean, like you said, you know, Tom Herman, I mean, he plays well as an underdog, which is a lot of motivating. And Sam Ellinger is a big gamer, and I think a lot of it is Tom Herman pumps him up. And, you know, Sam Ellinger runs the ball a lot more in bigger games, so I think we'll see him do. Texas has got big receivers on the edges with Eagles and uh, Duvernay. I can't, I can't ever pronounce it. I think it's Duvernay. And then also, you know, that he's Tom Herman's 3-1 and one against the spread and 2-2 two and two against Oklahoma straight up. So, you know, he kind of owns them a little bit here. Um, I really think Tom Herman's going to be able to motivate this team right here and get them ready to roll. I mean, I think 11 points is too much. I think it's going to come down to whoever's got the ball last, quite frankly. I mean, it's going to be a great game. I mean, this always is. Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts are doing something special this season. I mean, I look for both these teams to march up and down the field all day. This will probably be, this will probably be like a nice, you know, four-hour game because nobody's going to stop each other. Which is a classic Big 12 shootout, which everyone mm-hmm. likes. No one likes seeing defense in the Big 12. You don't ever see it. <laughs> Wait, they have defenses in the Big 12? They don't coach it. No, not at all. And I think a lot of it, too, though, is, you know, these teams just have such high-powered offenses that they're just going up and down the field scoring so quick, and these guys just get stuck out on the field, you know, and you get tired when you're just constantly out there trying to stop them. Yeah, I'm curious to see the game plan on how much they put on Jalen's shoulders. Now, I know that that sounds somewhat stupid in a way because they brought him in there for a reason. You win any game that you can, and you win every single game that you step on the field. But I like. So here's my thing with Jalen. He's putting up these crazy numbers, but it, it's Lincoln Riley. I, I think you could throw a lot of quarterbacks into his system, and they can put up numbers. My thing when I watch the film on Jalen this year is, 
he hasn't shown me personally a lot that I didn't already know. A lot of his deep, like his deep balls that people said he couldn't throw at Bama, he's thrown to a lot of wide open receivers so far this season. So I'm curious to see if the Texas defense and Tom Herman is a defensive minded coach, if I'm not mistaken. I want to see if Herman can challenge Hurts on the deep balls and on the slants. And they just got to tackle. You know, once CeeDee Lamb is going to get his catches, he's one of the best receivers in college. But they got to make that first tackle because once you let Oklahoma open up the playbook and break tackles in the open field, I mean, they're going to run away with it if that's if that's the case. So I think that Herman and Texas need to challenge Jalen's arm. Now, I know that we say that every time, and he comes through. And I'm not knocking Jalen, but he's throwing to a lot of open receivers. So I want to see if Texas can challenge him. And I want, and I know that Jalen can come through. He's a winner. Yeah, and you know, it's I think a lot of it is Lincoln Riley scheming with how he's able to get these wide receivers wide open. So I, you know, I agree with you. It is definitely going to be interesting to see that. Also, Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts hasn't been tested a single time yet. So I'm kind of interested to see how they play in an actual test. I mean, they haven't played anybody yet so far on the schedule. So it's going to be fun to see them actually play somebody. They also still have to play Baylor and Iowa State, who I think are the next two best teams in the Big 12 and really all the Big 12 has to offer outside of those four teams. Um, (laughs) Next, let's move here to Florida at LSU. Um, This game has LSU minus 13.5 over under at 55.5. What do you think about this one? Yeah, so uh, Joe Burrow looks like a completely different player from last year he's absolutely thriving in this new passing attack florida's defense has given up nine points per game right now now take a look at florida's schedule you know they haven't played much they have played auburn they have played auburn but auburn has a very young quarterback that doesn't have a lot of experience so i think that when you you know todd grantham is still one of the best defensive coordinators it looked like he confused uh, Bo Nix a little bit, and that happens when you play freshman quarterback. But other than Auburn, they have played nobody. So they got a good defense. They have great corners. I mean, they might have one of the best corners in in the SEC, if not the country right now. Um, I am nervous for Florida because Kyle Trask has not played a road game in a very long time. I saw a stat. I did not – confirm it yet but i i've heard that he has not played a road game since he was like 16 years old <laughs> i don't know if that's true but le- have you ever been to lsu because it is crazy there no i've actually never been but i mean they don't call it death valley at night for nothing in home night games lsu 71 and 11 straight up and trask did get thrown in at the end of that game that was at kentucky but i mean that doesn't really count and i mean going off what you said I mean, it's really, really, really hard to play in these big-time rivalry games as a young player in the SEC. I also felt like Florida was really fortunate last game, and they just kind of got lucky playing a young Bo, Bo Nix and Auburn team that, you know, didn't really take care of the ball last week. I mean, they had four fumbles themselves, and on top of that, you know, I felt like that two of those touchdowns, like the first one, the passing touchdown to start the game off is just a busted coverage, and then that run by P. Ryan, you know, is just kind of a – you know, like a Auburn's defense is tired of being out on the field. I was that was the most unimpressive win that I've. I mean, it, both Florida's wins this season against Miami and against Auburn, where I've watched them, and even against Kentucky. Those are the three times I've watched them. I've been very unimpressed, like you said. I mean, who have they really played? I don't think they've played anyone. And this this uh, LSU passing attack, they brought in Joe Brady, the passing coordinator from the Saints. He's now their passing coordinator. Some people even say he's the straight offensive coordinator, even though he's not listed at it. I think what he's done with this team and the talent they have, he's finally transformed LSU. I mean, LSU has as much talent as anybody in college football, if not more. And I think he's finally tapped into it and shown how they can do it on the offense side of the ball. I think LSU, I think this might end up being a slaughter fest. I agree, and the one concern I have for LSU is I believe that they had their star corner and maybe second corner go down. I think they're both listed as questionable, but big games, big-time players obviously play. I agree with you. I think LSU wins this game, and I think they cover with it too. I really do. Yeah, I definitely see that. I'm taking the minus 13 and a half as well. And, you know, even if those, I'm not sure either if those two corners are out, but, you know, they're going to be replaced by five stars. So at the end of the day, LSU stacked up. 
Let's move now to the last game on our college slate, and that is Florida State at Clemson. My Knowles on the road here, minus 27. Clemson is the favorite, over under at 60. What do you think about this one? I hope it's an interesting game. 27 points is a lot. I want to say there's two things that are really – Florida State has looked a lot better with um, Hornybrook at quarterback. They, they've played a lot better. Um, I think they had a good win. I believe they just beat NC State. Is that right? Yeah, and then we were idle this past week. Right. And then so, – so NC State, I believe, plays tonight, Friday night. Or nope. uh, tomorrow, sorry, Friday night. No, no, they're on so, tonight. It's uh, Syracuse oh, tonight? come okay. to town. Okay, so if NC State, you know, puts up a good win, then that looks even better for Florida State on the resume. I want, I want to say this about Clemson. I'm tired of these excuses for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I don't care. Like, you know, I've I've been reading all this stuff. Well, he might be bothered by a bruised shoulder. That's a that's that's BS. Because you know what, Tua didn't win the Heisman because he had a hurt ankle and he had surgery. So I don't want to hear that Trevor Lawrence is throwing all these interceptions because he has a bruised shoulder. If you're hurt, don't play. If you're on the field, I expect you to play like the best quarterback in the country. He's not right now. And he doesn't even have to throw the ball perfect every time. He's got two of the best receivers in the country. They will both be first-round picks when their time is to leave for the NFL draft. He's got a good defense, and he's got one of the best coaches in the country that, you know— I don't know. 27 points is a lot. Obviously, I'm taking Clemson in the game, but I, I would not be shocked if they don't win by – I don't think they cover. I think Florida State can keep it interesting. I know it's at Clemson. I think it's important for Florida State to get off to a hot start. If you are down 14-0 in Death Valley, I don't believe Florida State has the talent to even come back from 14 points, and that's not a lot in college football. But I don't believe Dabo Sweeney when he says Florida State could be 5-0 and and they have all the talent in the world. Dabo, no, they don't. Because, no offense to your Knowles, but they're barely beating Louisiana Monroe. Didn't they win that game on a missed extra point? <laughs> yeah, hey, we'll take it how we can get it. <laughs> so, I mean, I have Clemson. I'd say for the people that are thinking about betting on this game, I'd, I'd hold off to start the game. And I think maybe it's a live bet Knowles to see how they play in this first quarter. If they're in it in the first quarter, I would not be shocked if they keep it somewhat close. And I think I think Florida State's got a good chance to cover. Yeah, you know, I'm personally not going to play on this game, mostly because I won't bet against my team. I want to think we can cover this game. And this is our actually our largest underdog role since 2009, I think. When, or Yeah, I believe it was 2009 against Florida. So, you know, catching 27 points here, it is a lot of points, like you said. Look, I, Clemson honestly reminds me of the Florida State team in our second year with Jameis Winston when we lost to Oregon in the Final Four. I believe that was 2015. Um, I just feel like they're kind of uninterested with the ACC. You know, they ran through the ACC last year, kind of like Florida State did that first year with Jameis. They whooped everybody's ass, then they win the national championship, you know. I think they're a little uninterested. Also, you know, I feel like the last week was a big-time scare for them. And Florida State, there's been many times where that we've played Clemson, and they've been good, and we've run the score up. So that is the thing that scares me is I feel like if Clemson gets up, I feel like they're going to put the pedal to the metal and run the score up. We've done it to them plenty of times and embarrassed them. I could absolutely see them returning the favor like they did last year when I think they beat us like 58 to 7 or 17 or something like that. Also, Florida State's 2 and uh, 7 and 1 in their last 10 games in underdog and they're 1 and 7 straight up playing at Clemson on the road. Um I th- I think that, like you said, we have to get off to a hot start. If the Knowles don't start the game hot, it'll be over in a blink of an eye. Um, Trevor Lawrence also hasn't looked great, so I kind of look for this to be the game where Clemson really just kind of, you know, takes the takes the cover off the Ferrari, revs the engine, and you know, throw, starts driving 100 miles per hour. This is the game where they want to prove themselves and prove a point because, I mean, quite frankly, last week was embarrassing for them. Yeah, well, it's been about a season and. A little bit now of embarrassment for Florida State. Uh, the Taggart era is not off to a great start. Doesn't mean it can't go in a positive direction. I think he needs a game like this. I think you keep it close, if not beat, a team that you are much worse than, and the entire program can change. You know, 
I think I think these guys are going to be inspired to play. I think getting blown out last year, like you said, against Clemson at home in Tallahassee. Absolutely I think all the I think all the talk about everything that's going wrong in Florida State, I think you have to play with a chip on your shoulder. I think that every week Florida State should be playing to prove the doubters wrong. And there's a lot of doubters. Yeah, you know, I I think the Taggart era is definitely interesting. He came in, we all said, oh, he's going to have all Jimbo's recruits, you know. This team should be good, you know. We should be able to recruit, bring everything in. And it really hasn't gone the way, you know, that we wanted to see things go, quite frankly. And a lot of Florida State fans, you know, we're used to winning. So a lot of people get mad and kind of jump the ship. I mean, losing that game against um, against Boise State at the beginning of the season was embarrassing, and it looks like Taggart, you know, really lost focus with the team. And I've defended Taggart. I was kind of – I was mad at first, and especially after that UL Monroe game. I thought he'd be gone for sure, but I think this speaks volumes to the job Taggart's done with this team because, I mean, they could have straight up quit, again, especially after losing a – I think we were up like 31-7 to at halftime against UL Monroe, especially, the you know, the way that game went, the fact that we were able to drive down the field, score the game-winning drive. I mean, we still won in a lucky way, but a win's a win at the end of the day. But I feel like that – this team's been resilient. They've kind of turned things around. I've been really impressed with what I've seen the last couple of weeks. We finally, Taggart was averaging 12.9 points in the second half of games, and I feel like he really finally got over the hump with that in the Louisville game when that we let Louisville come all the way back from down 28-7, to and then we still you know, kind of went on, won the game. And, I mean, it showed last week against NC State. We played a great game start to finish. And, I mean, who, like you said, you know, we're waiting on that big win. I'm really thinking it's going to be Miami this year will be the big win to kind of bring everything back. Yeah, actually, speaking of Miami, I know it's not on our slate, but there's an interesting stat about this Miami-Virginia um, game coming up. So Virginia is ranked number 20. They're going at Miami. Miami's not ranked. So listen to this. Ranked teams as an underdog against non-ranked teams are 5-20 and 20 straight up yep. since 2015. And let me tell you this. It's on a Friday night. It's October. It's spooky season. I wouldn't be shocked. These number five and twenty. I mean, I I don't. I'm not a huge believer in trends. Virginia should win this game if they're actually the twentieth best team in the country. But don't sleep on Miami. They're minus two. Yeah, I'm actually on Miami in this game. I feel like Miami last week was just not even interested in playing Virginia Tech. Everyone had said Virginia Tech had given up on Justin Fuente and on Bud Foster. And, you know, I think that it was just one of those games. And Nikosha Perry came in the second half, looked great. They turned the ball over a lot after they really outgained Virginia Tech in that game. And, I'm, you know, I'm actually on Miami to win this one. I mean, I'm, I thought Virginia is the second-best team in the ACC behind Clemson. I thought it was them in Syracuse. I'm actually not as impressed with them as I thought. I mean, Florida State went in there and could have beaten them. I mean, we got tackled on the five-yard – on the actually two-yard line as time expired. So, that game easily could have gone either way. And I think Miami will, t- will take them out. What other games did you have, by the way, that you were telling me about earlier that you wanted to talk about real quick? Uh, well, I mean, there's my school. Alabama's going into Kyle Field at Texas A&M. You know, Tua had an interesting quote about this season. Um, about you know, This offense is the most prolific offense in college football. I mean, they have everyone that you need. I mean, they have four unbelievable receivers. They have all four of their receivers on the Blitkoff um, watch. One of them won it last year, Jerry Judy, who... He's the best receiver in college football, no doubt. Julio 2.0. Yep. Um, so they – I actually think he's going to be more like Odell in the sense of like he's skinny, but he can just run around you. I don't think he's going to want to take a lot of hits. I think he's going to run around you. But I will say this. Tua, his quote said, you know, the offense were trying to find ways to sustain drives, you know, six, seven, eight play drives instead of scoring in three, four plays. I think – this is the first test that Alabama will have, and I don't know how much of a test it will be because when Vegas puts it as an 18-point favorite on the road, that's a lot. I want to see if Tua and the Alabama offense can sustain a long drive and score to help out this defense a little bit. The defense is not looking that good. I know that they're undefeated. They're young, and that's no excuse, but they need to start playing better. Kellen Mond ran all over Alabama last year. And we know that running quarterbacks have beaten Alabama in the past. I don't think A&M wins this game. 
But I think it's interesting, the young linebackers, to keep an eye on Kellen Mund's legs. Yeah, you know, I won't be playing anything on this one. I feel like the Texas A&M has been disappointing this season, but at the same time, you know, this is a game they definitely have circled on their schedule and that they really want to come out here and win. I mean, I think, too, in this offense, I mean, you've said it all all better than I can. I mean, this offense is, is unbelievable. They can throw the ball over the yard. Defense definitely looks like they could be better so far. You know, also, I feel like it's kind of the same thing for Alabama and Clemson. They're just so used to winning all the time that they're not as interested playing these not as, you know, I mean, these subpar opponents. This is Alabama's first real test. I know that I got a lot of backlash a couple weeks ago when I tweeted out what I thought my Final Four would be. I mean, trust me, once Alabama beats one of these higher-ranked teams, they'll be right in there. I think they're just as good as them. I just like, you know, I feel like in college football, if you're into the ranking systems, you may as well rank the teams higher that have, you know, won a big game so far. Alabama, though, in the back half of this schedule, we're really about to find out what this team's about. And I think I personally think they should blow a Texas A&M out in this game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I think there was one line that kind of, you know, Oregon is a 21-point favorite against Colorado. And Colorado, they may be 3-2, and two, but they're not bad. That's – an Oregon, I mean, if you can turn – you can get pressure on Herbert, you know, keep him within the pocket and kind of collapse it, maybe turn him over early. I think that's also an interesting game. Other than that, you know – we talked about some good games. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be a fun slate. I thought last week's slate of games is pretty weak. I mean, the fact that, you know, Georgia versus Tennessee was the ESPN primetime game. And then, I mean, Ohio State, Michigan State was honestly fun to watch for a while. I thought it was a pretty weak slate, though, across the board outside of the um, Auburn and uh, and Florida game. But, no, I think it's going to be a good slate this week. Also, the Iowa and Penn State one I think should be fun to watch. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. It'll be interesting to see Penn State get tested again. I thought that they should have lost that game outright to Pittsburgh. I'm not very high on Penn State, even though they squashed Maryland. But, you know, Maryland's kind of a pretender, like like uh, we were saying earlier. So, you know, I, I think that, honestly, you know, there's going to be good games at every single hour, which is exactly what you want from college football. And, you know, I'll probably, I probably won't leave the couch, but to uh, go up to the fridge and get some food or get something to drink. I have a quick question. Just answer this real quick. Does South Carolina have any chance in Athens? No, but I think they cover the spread. What? I didn't even look. What is it? 24 and a half. It's a lot. Oh, yeah, and coming off a of bye week, I think that Holinsky and the crew, you know, can muster up enough points. I mean, Georgia shouldn't have covered last week against Tennessee. I also want to see more out of Georgia, too. I'm very unimpressed with them so far. I want to keep – there's one matchup in that game that I want to keep an eye on. It's corner, and he's actually from our hometown. He went to Alpharetta High School. J.C. Horn is an absolute stud for South Carolina. I want to see who he's matched up with and see if he – can show up again because when the Bama played at South Carolina, I thought he played very, very well. I really did. I'm definitely going to keep my eye on that, especially for hometown boys. Let's move here to the final part of the podcast. We're going to break down these two NFL games real quick. We got the Texans at the Chief, at the Chiefs. This game's on at one o'clock. Um, it's Kansas City minus four over under at uh, fifty five and a half. What are you thinking about this one? Ooh, so Deshaun's coming off a career week. I know it's against the Atlanta Falcons, who don't have much of a defense, but he came off a career week. Um, Texans are three and two, but they're better than that. They really are better than that. Um, it's going to be interesting this game. I think the first thing that you think about when you hear Deshaun versus Mahomes is an, a shootout. I mean. Neither defense is anything to brag about. The Texans have a little bit better of a defense, I would say. But Mahomes has thrown, I think, one touchdown in the past two weeks. So I don't know what's going on. And he lost one of those games. He lost last week, obviously. But here, I mean, you at, if it's a shootout, I'm taking the right arm of Mahomes all day long. So I got the Chiefs winning, and I will take the over in the game at 55 and a half. 
Okay, yeah, I definitely like the way you went with both those. Um, actually, interestingly enough, so when Sean Watson, when he's not rushed or or uh, sacked, I mean, just like any quarterback in the league, he absolutely tears you up. Somehow the Falcons couldn't manage to get any pressure on Deshaun Watson, which is beyond me with how this offensive line is for the Texans, and he tore us to pieces. Kansas City, I don't think the pass rush will be there for them. I mean, they need, they really need to stop them somehow. Um, it looks like that um, Chris Jones will be out their big defensive tackle, and I also think Alex Okafor will be out as well, and it's not determined yet there. Um, I think those injuries will be very hard for them to overcome. It's also going to be interesting to see what happens here with Sammy Watkins and with Tyreek Hill. If one of those guys is able to go, I agree, and I would go with Kansas City here to win this game. Also, the Texans aren't a great team at running the football, and I really feel like the way you know to beat Kansas City is like we saw last week. The Colts ran the ball 46 times on Kansas City. Personally, I don't think I'm going to play anything in this game. I want to wait till Sunday to see these final injury reports come out. I think Kansas City needs to get some guys back, but it's hard for me to think Kansas City is going to lose back-to-back weeks at home. I mean, that stadium beat the Seahawks for the loudest stadium in all of football, so... I think I'm going to go with Kansas City minus the four for now, and I'm definitely going to take the over with you there as well. Ultimately, though, I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. you got two of the best young quarterbacks in the league going at it. I mean, anytime Deshaun Watson's on the field, I've got it on my TV, and same thing with Mahomes. These are my two favorite QBs to watch, so I'm excited. Um, Any closing thoughts before we move to the final game? Yeah, I think what you – about running the ball, that's a great point. Um, I think anytime you play, you know, a great quarterback, uh, Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, I think – you want to keep them off the field at all times. So, you know, the Colts had success running the football. The Colts also have one of the best offensive lines in football. So if the Texans can get that balanced attack, I think Deshaun's play-action game, which is his best attribute, is that play-action pass. Mm -hmm. I think they can thrive in that. I just don't trust the offensive line. I don't. And so that's why I'm going with the Chiefs because I I think Deshaun's going to have to throw the ball, you know, 50 to 60 times. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a shootout. Mahomes can do it. I know Watson can do it, but can the offensive line hold up? Yeah, I think it'll be another one of those who's got the ball last kind of games. It's going to be a fun one to watch at 1 o'clock. I mean, that's I'm glad the Falcons are on at 4 so I can watch that rather than struggling through this Falcons-Cardinals game. Um, also, we got the 49ers at the Rams at 4.05 as well. This will be the other one I'll be keeping my eye on. It's Rams minus 3.5 since they're the home team over under at 50.5. What do you think about this one, Ben? Ooh, I'm going to be honest. I don't bet that often, but if I did, I'm. is it minus 3? Is that what you said? Yeah, minus 3. Yeah, I'm hammering that. Because here's my thing. The 49ers, and I love Kyle Shanahan. He got my quarterback, Matt Ryan, an MVP. He brought the Falcons to a Super Bowl. I think the reason why the 49ers are undefeated and as good as they have looked is because of how balanced that they can be with Breida and with Tevin Coleman. It doesn't. They don't ask Garoppolo to just throw it all over the yard, which I'm not saying he can't do, but they've been very balanced. Good luck running the ball up the middle on Aaron Donald. Good luck. I mean... I don't see the 49ers being able to run the ball as successful as successfully as they have been in the past. And I think that Jimmy G is going to have to throw the ball more than he has. And I, I know that Gurley may not be playing. And I'm not the biggest golf fan. I, these reports or videos that come out about Sean McVay telling them how to audible, it could be true. I just I trust the Rams defense. I really do. And I think that Goff has a bounce-back performance. And I don't think it really matters who's running the football. I really don't. I think Aaron Donald shows out and just clogs up that middle. Yeah, you know, I'm actually going to go the other way from you here. See, I think that there are two decently big injuries for the um, 49ers in this game. They'll be without left tackle Joe Staley. It didn't seem to matter. They'll be without another tackle as well. Also, their fullback. Um, Kyle Yuzacek, he will be out as well. He's one of the best, but I personally think that they can spread it out a little bit. I mean, they're five and two against the spread in their last seven against the Rams. Um, the 49ers lead the league in rushing the ball at 200 yards per game. I look for them to kind of, you know, try to run the ball. See, I think they can get to the outside and run these. I just feel like Kyle Shanahan, I think he's the better play caller between him and McVay. I mean, we saw him do it in Atlanta. I don't think it matters who he's got and what he's going to do here. Gurley being out is going to hurt for the Rams. They're only getting 98 yards per game on the ground. 
Um, they're second in the league in passing the ball, but the 49ers are second best in the NFL against defending it, and they're giving up a 16th most rush yards in the league. I look for 49ers to kind of try to get to the edges here. I also look for them to, you know, to kind of try to unleash Jimmy Garoppolo in this pass game a little bit more. I think I think Shanahan's going to have a good um, game script ready to go, and I think he's going to have something prepared for this for this team. I think it's going to be a really fun one to watch. I'm going with the plus three though. I also love the pass rush. For the 49ers here, I think they can get to the quarterback only rushing four, which is huge. And, you know, Goff without that play-action run game, is, and we've seen him struggle. I mean, we saw it happen at some point last year before they got C.J. Anderson in there. And, I mean, we've seen it a lot this season as well. I really think if they can't get that run game going, that it's going to be rough outing for them. Yeah, I think it's going to be an old-school kind of football game from the Niners – or, sorry, from the Rams' perspective. I think that – they're going to rely on their defense. I, I think that they are going to get the run game going, and I don't. And I don't. I say that without Gurley. I I just don't think it matters. I mean, what? You know, Gurley carried them all last year, but running backs have not brought Super Bowls. It's it's that quarterback. It's the defense that can win it to you. I agree with you. The Niners' pass rush has looked great. Joey Bosa absolutely showed out against the Browns. I agree with you on Kyle Shanahan. You know, he's pretty creative. And I'm not saying Jimmy G can't air it out and get it done. I just need him to prove it to me before I can completely trust him. This is a perfect team to show out against and show what you can do. You're facing a ferocious pass rush. I mean, I think they have – how many first-rounders do they have on that defensive line? And then – I, I trust the defense of the Rams more than I trust Jimmy G's ability to absolutely take over a game, and that's why I'm taking the Rams. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting. I want to see this Rams defense bounce back because the last two weeks, you know, they've really gotten pieced up. Kind of the Seahawks, I think, put in the 30s up on them. We saw the, or the uh, Buccaneers come in there and put up the 50 spot on them. I want to see this yep. defense bounce back. I think Marcus Peters has been kind of getting picked on, which is weird to think because it's Marcus Peters. I think the Rams' defense has to be better, but, I mean, I really think the Rams, without this run game, it's hurting them so far this season. I think it's made them a lot more you know, middle-of-the-pack team. I think that they need to unleash Darrell Henderson, and this could be the week that happens. I mean, this guy ran for 1,700 yards at Memphis. Uh, in one season. So, I mean, he can definitely carry the ball. I've been kind of surprised we haven't seen him at all this season. So, I want to see the Rams unleash him, but I think the 49ers can cover that three points. Yeah, it should be a very interesting game. One of the best games of the week. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited to watch it, and I can't wait to watch all these games this weekend. Um, I think it's you know, it's going to be a fun weekend of football. I mean, what can I say? we got so many great matchups at every single hour on both um, the NFL and college slate. I mean, like you said, there's even great – and there's not – I would say tonight's more for baseball. But, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, though. we got to slip those baseball games in there, too. Oh, that'll be, that'll be a fun one to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can't be more excited, but, Ben, I appreciate you having you on and you coming on today. Um, You want to tell everybody where to follow you on social media and any closing words? Oh, well, first of all, I'd love to say, you know, I listen. I've always listened to your podcast. Uh, You do a very good job. I'm honored that you asked me to come on. I'm ready to come on anytime. There's a lot of good college – There's not college. There's a lot of good sports on to watch, you know. I – I'd advise people to just sit back and just enjoy this. I mean, college football is getting better and better as the weeks go on. You're finding a little bit more about teams. Baseball is in the thick of the playoffs. And the NFL is the NFL. It's, you know, the NFL is great. I mean, I like college better, but the NFL is just great every single week. Um, like you said, you and I inter- – you said this in the very beginning. You and I interact quite often on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at BennyG24. Um Take it easy on me about the Braves. I'm hurting, but you know that's why that's why I go to Alabama. They pick me up every single Saturday. Yeah, you're lucky with that. Unfortunately, I'm sitting over here with Florida State and my Atlanta team, so definitely sucks. But yeah, we'll definitely have to do it again, Ben. You got all the college knowledge, and that's exactly what we need there. So we appreciate everyone tuning in, and we'll see y'all again soon. Peace. <laughs>